You get slaps in the Oh, the joy of full salvation. That's the one. Father, I just want to thank you for the joy of full salvation. Yeah. Lord, you've done it. It is full, and you're walking us into it. We are being saved day by day. Lord, I thank you for that. That glory is coming out of it. Glory, glory to his name. That is the outcome of us walking into our full salvation. Help us, Lord. Help us to keep going, to keep pushing in, to keep saying yes to you at every turn, to let you have your way, that you can produce the bride which is your heart's desire. Amen. Father, we just bless you this morning. We lift your name. We can't do anything else. We lift <laughs> your name on high. We say glory to your name. Amen. It's interesting that I've picked up that because that was exactly where I was going to come in. Oh, the joy of full salvation, that we are saved, we're being saved, and we will be saved. And it's important to see that you are in a process where God is bringing you into something. And he's bringing you into the likeness of his son. That is what he's determined to do, that he will bring forth Jesus in you. And that eventually that tree will actually produce all those fruit in your life, the the tree of the fruit of the Spirit Amen. as we yield to his dealings and it is important the yielding is what is important so that we yield to his dealings in our life that's why it's a constant time of surrender um, he brings us the easiest way we will come we, we hold up our own progress by being uh, unsure of uh, being able to trust him and that is what holds us up and we'll go round and round and round the same thing until we can actually re release it to him and come out and so we come into a, a further part of our salvation another way of putting it is I nearly was going to put one of these up on there you've had one of these before if you don't want another one just leave it on the chair this is the journey into God um, you're all going to get one in a minute and each step each established truth is a stair on a stairway and only truth that is lived out can be added and when the stairway is complete it takes us from one level to another and the whole process starts all over again oh. everything begins and ends with his delight he's delighted with you he loves you to distraction he adores you he didn't spare his own son everything begins and ends with his delight in you so we have to ask ourselves why we're so blooming reluctant to let him have what he wants. And the answer is that we're frightened that we won't get our own way. We are nervous that he will take something away from us that we consider that we cannot live without. Uh, and so we won't let him have it. And uh, the enemy of our soul is full party to all that. He'll whisper in your ear... I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that if I were you. You don't know where that will take you. But of course all it will do is take you higher into the heart of God. Deeper, higher, wider, longer into the heart of God. So 
I don't know if anyone is aware of being on a different level at the moment. Because when you go up a level, as we said before, you meet a bigger devil. And you've got to beat the devil on the level that you're on. So, ah, cue for a song, hold on. <laughs> How's it going? Has it been written yet? Send him on his way. Send him on his way. Hit the road, Jack. <laughs> Get out of here. Get out of here, that's it. Toe the boot. We have to fight and struggle in order to grow. That's the reason that we have to do this fighting. So whatever you're up against in, in your life right now will either be growing grace in you, uh, which is the fruit of the Spirit, or if it's, if it's uh, demonic, it will be growing you in strength against the enemy. So either way you win. You're condemned to be a winner in this thing. Can you say that bit again? Sorry. If it's people, it will be growing grace in you, growing one of these graces here. Uh, but if it's demonic attack, then it will make you stronger spiritually. Because God will let you have these fights with something that's bigger. And as Graham said, the reason he does it is that you might come as big as the thing that's coming against you. Even if you have to get a stepladder to get up there and chop his head off, at least you'll get up there and chop it off. You know. <laughs> so we win either way. There is no way that we're in anything other than on the winning side. And the key is to let him have what he wants when he asks for it. Just bow the knee to whatever he's asking for in your life right now. And the peace will come because righteousness, peace and joy are part of our inheritance. Righteousness, peace and joy. I'm just going to read this again. Um, this uh, vision that Sarah had, you remember, in June when she listened to Graham's uh, CD for the first time and God just took her away to a, a different place. It's the second person that really got smashed when they listened to that CD. Um, and the following morning, she, was, she said on the way home it was disappearing, but the following morning the Lord gave her this prophetic word and she said there was more of it and I've encouraged her to, to ask him for the rest because this is just bless the socks off of anybody really. My beloved treasure... You saw my Shekinah glory. You felt my spirit pour into yours. The scales were lifted from your eyes. You asked to see me and you saw. I gave you a glimpse of me, of my love for you, of my safe place. I gave you insight to where I live. You felt the purity, the holiness and my house, the kingdom of God. Now you know why earthly things cannot be mixed with heavenly things, why holiness cannot be tainted by unclean things. They are worlds apart. My hand will not allow you to be defiled by lowly things that bear no fruit. There is no comparison between what I have for you and the things you think you need. I want you to know me of how my plans for you are only for your good. Don't settle for what the flesh offers you when I have so much more, more than you can imagine. Now your spirit has seen me. Allow yourself to trust in me. Give yourself to me and I will show you a life not many have travelled. Have no thoughts of yourself and I will take you to places in your heart that nothing in this world can. 
The I am is here and will never leave you. Rejoice in my name, O heavenly child. Be at peace and know I have begun a great work in you and I intend to finish it. My rest will bring you great joy and happiness. So rest, my child. You cannot win your own battles. Am I not big enough? If God faces you up with something incidentally, it's always too big for you. Because the battle is his. Right now I'm up against the still not being able to break through or get in at Frinton. I mean, it is a stone wall there. And I'm thinking, that's okay, it's got to be big, it's got to be impossible, because it's not mine to push in there. And when the timing comes, he'll open the door. So I'm not going to frustrate myself by kicking at the wall at the bottom, if you see what I mean, trying to make a hole, because the battle is his. So I have to just rest and move when he tells me uh, to go there. Because he keeps saying, keep going. And I'm thinking, this is a waste of time. But I keep going. So we'll see. So it's always going to be bigger. Always. Because it's God-sized. Whatever he calls you to do is God-sized. You can't do it. In a million years you can't do it. So it's got to be him. I will teach you and I will show you everything you need to know. I will take you from glory to glory. I will show you the time and place of the work I've assigned and planned for you. Now you have some idea of my power. Rest and allow me to work through you. Give me what I ask. Do not be afraid, for I would not have called you out of darkness to abandon you. Lift up your eyes to me, O child, and all will be given to you. Believe, believe, believe. It's time to change. It's time to run the race. It's time to decide to go forward. Take the baton with a single mind. I am with you and I am for you. The kingdom work is ahead and my army is putting on its battle dress. Get ready, my child, for my hand is upon you and I will deliver you through every situation by glorifying my name. I love you, I love you, I love you. Fill your heart with songs of praise and know on this day the heavens were opened and poured out on you. Bless you, my child. I mean, I'd like a word like that, wouldn't you? I figure it's for all of us. Pardon? From Sarah, she was listening to um, Graham Cook's soaking CD in the corner where Trish is sitting. And when it was over, she was speechless. She couldn't say anything, so we're saying to her, what's the matter? And she's sort of going like a fish. Because while this CD was being played, he took her. He poured his glory into her spirit. She could not contain it. She could not express it. She couldn't say what had happened. So like the other lady that we were telling Ava about last night who listened to that CD and couldn't get up off the settee and she wanted to go to the toilet. We had to help her out there. And <laughs> the Scots lady it was. 
she, when she was baptised in the Spirit, they went, they went to the pastor, they'd heard about this baptism in the Spirit, and she's Scottish. And in those days, Pentecostal wearing hats, you know. And there they are on their knees in the pastor's study. He's put his hands on them and they both get baptised in the Spirit. Both her hats went all skewy. And she said, all I can remember is saying, Oh, Ruby! Oh, Ruby! Because <laughs> her friend's name was Ruby. Oh, Ruby! <laughs> She had another experience like that this particular night. And she couldn't get off the settee. She was plastered to the sofa. It must be something to do with that wall because do you remember when the other lady used to come and lay on the other sofa? She said there's something about this sofa. She used to be shaking and jigging about all over the place because she kept the Holy Spirit coming on her over there. Um, but what more can you say? So he's, he's conforming us to his image. He wants to show us these things, but the flesh can't go there, if you see what I mean. That's why it's got to be um, surrender. Yes. There was a very beginning, there was a prefix to the word glory, which I didn't understand. Shekinah glory. That is a description of the unspeakable glory of God. Uh, she, she actually put my Shania glory because she didn't know what it was. I think it's S H E K I N A H. I N A H. They're telling me. The question was, what was the Shekinah glory? Yes, it is the glory of God that covers when He comes down. Um, you notice in the Old Testament the glory of God came down and the priests were unable to minister for, for they couldn't stand when people fall out in the spirit that is the glory of God coming down you cannot stand in the presence of God you just go over because the power of God is there um, I was reading something the other day um, it's a book that Gina brought back uh, for me from uh, Toronto, uh, no, not Toronto, Rick Joyner's place. And um, it's called The Priestly Bride, and it's all about the Bride of Christ and this visitation and vision that this lady had had. Well, Jesus came to her and he put earrings in her ears and, and a nose ring and, a, and bracelets and necklaces, and then he covered her with a mantle of gold dust. And she asked what that was, and, she, and he said it was my, it's a, his favour. Now, you know that one of the signs of Toronto has been the gold dust. And I thought, have we been missing it? That he's saying, my favour is being poured out on you. And it, this is a physical manifestation of it. Because Graham's words some years ago, the year of the, the, the Twin Towers, was about the year of the favour of the Lord. And that we are in the unprecedented favour of God. And it, like heaven is pressing down, things that are happening are just unbelievable. And I don't mean miracles, I mean the way God is coming to visit us within our own hearts, if we can let him. You know, there's a tremendous outpouring of the Spirit and his presentation of himself to his bride. It's absolutely amazing. I don't know how normal life carries on, really. I really don't. I, I do sometimes wonder how we manage to sort of function because of what's going on. Technicalities. 
I'm still trying to get top size of my iPod. Couldn't turn the thing off this morning. Every time I listen to Graham's, seat, uh, you know, uh, soaking CD about um, the one that is Inheritance and Glory, you know that one, mm. and he says where he says we've prayed in this room and the presence and her, and prepared it. I wanted to play a bit of it because I wanted to see if there was something God wanted to bring this morning that I could have played. First phrase, we prayed in this room and the the um, principle is that you pray to, to uh, create, um, what's the word I want, like an atmosphere where he can come. I tried to go on a bit further. I couldn't. I had to come down here and pray in the room so that I created an atmosphere where he could come. <laughs> I really wanted to listen a bit further. I thought, that's it. Every time I said to Anne, every time I hear something, just like Graham said I would, and I have to stop, can't do anything else, so I came down and prayed to create an atmosphere where he could come, where we would touch each heart at the, where they needed to be touched, at a deep level. So... It's almost like this morning I feel scared to open my mouth in case I'm not going to say what he wants to say. Because I want it to come so that you get what he wants to give. So I'll just launch myself at it and spray a bit. <laughs> and see where it goes. So I felt to get this that I said... I told you the story of searching for that this morning. Searched everywhere for my cycle of sonship thing. Uh, the relational cycle. Looked everywhere for it. I said, oh, well, Lord, you can't want me to have it. That's all. Came down just now and I thought, what? I said, it's on a piece of cardboard, I said to the Lord. He didn't say anything. Looked on the windowsill and there's this little roll of paper done up with an elastic band. And I, I thought, it's not this. It, oh, it's not on a piece of cardboard. <laughs> So this is the relational cycle that God is always working in with us. And the first thing he establishes, and he will not let you move until he's established that in you, is sonship. So he establishes you in who you are to him. And then you, he'll release you into doing what he's called you to do. Then he brings you into friendship. He said to the disciples, henceforth, I no longer call you servants, but friends. And then eventually you become a love slave. And that is the way the cycle goes. But sonship he will establish first. So we can stay. If we're not released into ministry yet, it's because he has not been able to establish who we are and whose we are. He will not let you go without you know whose you are. Could you just tell me what that word is after sonship? Servanthood. Servanthood. That's it, it's a cycle. Yeah, thank you. Do you remember some years ago when we were at um, Southampton, Graham did this, the life cycle, the relational cycle. Mm -hmm, the, just, you just couldn't see it, yes, I didn't do it very well. So he establishes no, sonship first. And then as we do, as he tells us, friendship is earned by faithfulness. And finally, we offer ourselves as his love slaves. That's the way it works, like that. And he's constantly 
going deeper in that cycle. It's not as if you go round it once and then you... When you go up another level, you go into this cycle all over again. And each cycle's got its place of pleasure and pain and worship and distress. It's like you then go into the development cycle, which has all the other bits and pieces in it as well. So wherever you are, it's okay. But he won't let you out of it till, he, till you know how he sees you. And I think the thing that has... I heard something, I read it, I think I read it in Mike Bickle's notes about the Song of Songs, which I've been drawn back to again. Um, he says something that is very common, so you'll, you'll all know this one, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So what I will see as beautiful, you may not. So he sees you as beautiful. It's not about you. It's about him. It's about how he sees you. So you don't have to beautify yourself to be acceptable and beloved in his eyes because his eyes are already seeing you as beautiful. So it takes all the striving out of it. You don't have to get it better, be better, perform. You may have been brought up like that because I was, you know, get it right. If you're good, then I'll love you. If you're not, then I will not speak to you. It's taken quite a while for God to eradicate that from me because I still find myself going to him and thinking, I've just got to get all my ducks in a row a bit, you know, present myself well. What are you doing, he says. <laughs> just um, getting myself a bit presentable. Silly girl. <laughs> And it really encapsulates for me his love towards us. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So if you ever look in the mirror or start criticising yourself, just remember he's saying, excuse me, it's not about you, it's about me. And I have said, you are beautiful. I have declared my glory over you. So all you have to do is believe it. Believe, believe, believe. And when I was looking at what, what uh, we, uh, on the fruit of the Spirit, um, the fruit of love, I was looking at it and I thought, you know, it's a key, is um, what we believe. Because if we don't believe that he loves us, if we truly, we might believe it up here, but you know there's a difference between what you believe up here and your core beliefs. I've got a diagram somewhere. There's a, the court, the, the, what you believe outside, you know, oh yes, I believe that. In your head, intellectual belief. But your core belief is what you live out of. So whatever you're living out will show where, where your actual belief is. And it will show up when push comes to shove. When you do something that you think God's going to get upset about. That's where your core belief will come out because it's in your heart so you're trundling along quite well thinking to yourself I'm managing this nicely and then all of a sudden you stand in a puddle of dog's poo and you think ah what's he gonna say well he doesn't feel any different about you from when he did when you were walking along with clean shoes 
what's coming up there is our conditioning and our core belief system. It's a good thing to ask the Lord to say, Father, what is my core belief here? Am I really performance orientated? Am I really scared that you're going to actually reject me? Is that my bottom line? If I don't keep my nose clean, you're actually going to reject me? Or am I actually rejecting myself because I don't think that I measure up? Do you remember that young man, uh, the, the sister, brother and sister? She, she um, very, very disturbed family background. Not any abuse, but just a very, not any physical ab abuse, much more mental um, things, but then the parents couldn't help it. And she phoned me up one day, and in the background I could hear this young man's voice, There you go again! You've done it again! You've done it again! He was leading off at himself. And I thought, who's that? It was her brother. And she was desperate. She said, can I bring him over? I mean, he's just going at himself, you know, really hitting at himself. I can remember the time, I just digress here for a moment, I'm not getting on the fruit of the spirit much, am I? Um, when I was actually under demonic oppression, didn't realise it, and I remember actually physically hitting myself because I was so mad with the way that I, I wasn't responding and reacting the way I thought I ought to. God allows everything in our lives for a purpose and he allowed that and he delivered me from all that so that I might see how dastardly, if that's the right word, the enemy is. How he will turn us against ourselves. Terrible thing. Self-hatred is probably one of the most destructive things because it eats away inside in you and nobody sees it. You're putting on your good front room appearance but nobody knows that inside you're actually beating yourself up every minute of every day, doing a post-mortem on everything you've done because you don't think you've done it well enough. I and mean, it's a terrible place to be. Anyway, this young man came over and I thought, what, what are we going to do with this? But I was glad that he'd come and he was in a desperate state of depression. Very clever young man. He'd uh, been to university. It wasn't that he didn't have an, any marbles. He had plenty. Um, he sat in the counselling room in the corner and I talked to him about the Lord and uh, I can't remember what his uh, reaction was. Um, and in the end, in just sheer frustration, I said to him, can't you just say to the Lord, help? <laughs> and he did. I got born again on the spot. <laughs> it was absolutely priceless. And from that place, he climbed back up, didn't he? As far as I know, he's, he's doing quite well. He's got a job. I think he's got his own flat. And, you know, so... But it's got to come to him. It's no good running away from him. Um, this is Satan's ploy, you know. You do something you think you shouldn't and you run a mile. Instead of running in the opposite direction, run to him, run to him. It's the only way, run to him is the only safe place. Run away and it's lamb sandwich. Do you remember um, Roger Price? So have you ever heard him talk about that picture he had of the lamb? 
in the field. Slams munching away, lovely little white lamb, munch, munch, munch. And this snake comes along, winds itself round the back legs, round the tummy like this, munch, 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 taking no notice. Just gets to go round the head here, like round the neck, still munching. And all of a sudden this snake's eyes bug out like that and it drops off. <laughs> and he said, God will only let Satan go so far. He will never let him have us for lamb sandwich. He will always stop him. And we will learn out of that. But this little lamb, he just kept munching. He didn't take a blind bit of nose. So I'm far more interested in filling his tummy. Ah, dear, I don't know what that was all about. And there we are. Anyway, so... First, you must know his love for you. Because we were talking about reduce me to love. We're looking about the fruit of the Spirit, which is love. And we cannot produce these. It's, I haven't put the other one up because I thought it's not very edifying to see the other tree. Don't want that one. Um, perhaps I'll get it in a minute. Um, uh, this is the fruit of the Spirit. So in order for the Spirit to bear fruit in our lives, we have to step out of the way. Self has to be put under which is the hard way, we have to surrender our will. Where was I looking this morning at something about surrendering? It must have been in a potter through so many things. The, in surrendering our will to him, because there's no longer two lives to be lived but one now, that's his through us. And we always think that's going to mean an annihilation, but of course it isn't. It's the only way to righteousness, peace and joy and all the rest that comes with our inheritance is to allow him to live his life through us. But the problem we've got is the old rebel, we've all got one of those, uh, that just doesn't want to submit to the lordship of Christ. That's why we are saved, we're being saved and we will be saved. So if you're feeling the sacred flame in your life right now, just stand still under it. Because God is just burning off the dross. He's burning it off. Like that uh, story of the piece of marble being wheeled in and, and uh, the sculptor looking at this piece of marble. And the man standing next to him and said, what's that going to be then? He said, that is going to be a horse. Looks at this great chunk of marble. How do you make a horse out of that? He said, well, I just chip off everything that doesn't look like a horse. So he chips off everything in our lives that doesn't look like Jesus. Just like the three stooges, you know, coming up from behind the... <laughs> that man. So we're looking at, at the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, but we cannot make it happen the only way it happens is by submission so when you feel you're going to lose your rag the only way is to submit to the spirit of God I had a little battle this morning and I said Lord I'm not coming out of my room until I know I've submitted to you because there's just something that was agitating me and I said I'm, and, until I know that that thing is under your control I'm not coming out because I wouldn't be safe. So it's constantly submitting. 
And one of the main things is that we have to be teachable. We have to go back to the school of the Spirit and be teachable. It's hard for us because we think we're grown-ups, but we're not. Unless we become like a child and allow Him to teach us, allow the Holy Spirit within us uh, to teach us, we'll never bring forth the fruit of the Spirit because we'll begin to try to make self-control happen and patience and faithfulness and all these things. All we can do is to ask Him for a five-second warning, you know. Lord, I'm losing my rag here. Can you give me a five-second warning to make the choice to go your way? It's all about choices. And it's required of us that we be faithful. That's all. It's required of a steward that he be faithful. So as he brings us from sonship into servanthood, faithfulness is going to be on the list. Graham says, and I never understood it until a couple of days ago, love precedes knowledge, wisdom follows love. And I thought, how does he work that one out? Love precedes or goes before knowledge, but wisdom follows love. So the first thing you get is love, then you get wisdom, then you get knowledge. Because knowledge without wisdom is just stuff. Wisdom comes when you've got the fear of the Lord coming into. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that's another thing that we need to run alongside our knowing who we are is an awe and a fear of who he is. But not a sort of a, he's going to hit me any minute now. He's never ever going to do that. But we need to have that absolutely reverent respect for him so that it's not buddy buddy stuff you know so there has to be the balance and only the Holy Spirit can teach us and lead us into that so let's have a look at 1 Corinthians 13 finally get around to looking at that and I thought it says in the message let's try I think I did it in the message last time, didn't I? This is the message. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything as plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep a score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, 
Trust God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Inspired speech will be over someday. Praying in tongues will end. Understanding will reach its limit. We know only a portion of the truth, and what we say about God is always incomplete. But when the complete arrives, our incompletes will be cancelled. I'm going to read it on, it's lovely. When I was an infant at my mother's breast, I gurgled and cooed like any infant. When I grew up, I left those infant ways for good. It's quite a paradox, isn't it, actually? We have to be childlike, but not childish. So it's a paradox. How do you, how do you decide what the difference is between being childlike and childish? Well, childish stamps its foot when it can't get its own way as a, as a paddy, as a goes into sulks and holds on to offences and does all those things. Childlike always thinks the best, doesn't make judgments. As someone said, we want judgment for other people and mercy for ourselves. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we're all made the same way, aren't we? When I grew up, I left those infant ways for good. We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then, see it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly, just as he knows us. But for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us towards that consummation. Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, love extravagantly, and the best of the three is love. And then in um, chapter 14 it says, Go after a life of love as if your life depended on it, because <coughs> it does. <laughs> I started to read uh, Joyce Mayer's book there, Reduce Me to Love. And as is always the case with me, I read the first three, three or four chapters, absolutely brilliant, and then it sort of tailed off and I couldn't get into it again. You know, I don't know if anybody else is like that, but I'm shocking one for, God! this is wonderful and then it's like I've eaten all I need and then it goes Look, Romans 5 5 says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts and the only thing that will hold that in you know is us, clog is us not clogging up the seed but not allowing that seed that he planted to grow because we've got it there the DNA Romans 5 5 Mm. It's all to do with. The, I know that some people don't like the analogy of the Red Indian who's, who was asked how his Christian walk was going, and he said, "Well, it's it's all right, but these these two two dogs that I've got." And the man said, "What do you mean?" He said, "Well, I've got a black dog and a white dog, and it depends which one I feed." We've all got a black dog and a white dog in there, haven't we? Depends which one I feed. I reckon we need to starve the black one. Just starve him out. Romans 5 5. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I was meditating on this verse too the other day. I didn't know where it was, but I was thinking about it. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. 
it's ever so good you know if you've got a spare minute to just ask the Lord for a verse and chew it over just go into what he's talking about that you know we just got to come back to the centrality of the cross really that it was all done there so that like we saw at the rejection conference there is there is another side to the cross the transformed life on the other side of the cross and to go through there we need only believe it's unbelief that keeps us on this side of the cross that is what holds us all the time so it's again it's submitting to the Holy Spirit within as we learn to love others I was looking as well in the, this morning in the Watchman Lee's little book on the Song of Songs and the bit I was looking for was where early on in the song um, she's beginning to grow in the knowledge and understanding of the love of the shepherd lover for her uh, the beloved is and but she has sheep of her own to look after she has her little kids she has her own little group of, of uh, she's like an under shepherd but that he's making the point that she still has to nurture and feed those even though they are not where she is so she must not look back at them and get irritated and think oh I'm going to go on and leave them to get on with it so wherever God is taking you and he has put you in charge of a few little sheep or kids always remember that you need to be nurturing the the, the most frail of them not getting irritated with them because they're not moving as fast as you think they should there is always this part of her growth into maturity is that she takes as much care of the outsiders of the flock as she does of those who are she perceives she can see where God is working they're moving on they're, you know, they're, there is a thrill in working with someone who's really gobbling it up you're seeing it um, happening in their lives it's, that is brilliant but there is also this place which is not quite so tasty of picking up the ones that nobody wants the halt and the lame round the outside that nobody actually wants to spend the time with because your natural man will say oh for crying out loud come on you know can we shift Jesus is not like that question? no, no sorry, I was a fly <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was waving to me. I had a dream. Uh, um, yes, uh, some months ago, and I was just looking back in my journal for something this morning, and I have this tendency to do little illustrations when I've had the dream. And it, this dream was not nice at all. I was. Um, there was a crowd of people. There was somebody in a wheelchair, and suddenly this youth. He launched himself past me. Thank you, dear. Will there be anything else, madam? No, that's lovely. Thank yeah. you. Peel me a grape, would you? <laughs> this youth launched himself past me at a wheelchair where someone disabled was. And uh, it, it, it absolutely crushed the wheelchair and the person who was sitting in it. But at that moment the police arrived and they shot him straight between the eye and I saw his face as, as, as the bullet hit you know 
and I thought, oh lord, that was awful. And I could see the twisted, bent wheel of the wheelchair. And I thought, whatever is this? And because when we prayed about it, what God was saying was, the people in the wheelchair are the periphery on the church where nobody's interested. The person who launched the youth is young pastors and leaders who don't understand, and they, they shoot to kill. They, they can't stand these weak lambs on the edge of the flock. And the authority was God. He would remove them if they don't look after the weakest of the flock. I thought, wow. That was what I made of it, you know. I mean, if you get a different interpretation, please tell me. But that that was what I made of it, was that you must always remember... Um, do you remember in, um, in Genesis when Jacob met Esau? And he thought Esau was going to go for his throat because of the way Jacob had been towards Esau. And by this time, Jacob's got a load of stuff. Folks and, and sheep and goats and people and all sorts but instead of that Jacob uh, Esau comes and meets him and he says oh come yes come 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 over to my over to Edom or wherever it is yeah fine you're welcome come on just drive the thing and he says no let's lead them on softly because of the slowest and the weakest the flock lead them on softly that's what love does love is patient it's kind it's long-suffering it's full of self-control, full of good fruits. It waits for the slowest. Yet it doesn't lack attention to the fastest, but it will not sacrifice one for the other. Lead them on softly, lest they can't make the journey and they die on the way, was what he was saying. And, and I felt that this morning in seeing that in the Song of Songs, and, and God brings me back to it from time to time, because my heart's desire is, is people who will run fast. You know, I want to see them catapult them into what God's got for them. But that is not the way it is. It's like having a class full of children. They're all mixed ability. Some are doing extremely well, but you can't just concentrate on those. In fact, you actually have to spend more time with the ones who aren't. Because the ones who can manage, you can leave them to, to, to learn. You can set them stuff to do and leave them to, to do it. So, I suppose it's the character of God again, you see, coming out. But what we would see in our natural selves we would and it often transfers itself over to the church is that we would always be with the ones who are young and are fit and they're up the front and they're doing the business and they've got the gifts and they're doing all this stuff but God is not looking at that he's looking at the ones that we're actually neglecting that are around the outside of the flock and this place has always been a place that God has sent those as he said right early on the only place I can send them is here because you will look after them you will polish them you will cherish them you will care for them and you will bring them up into the jewel that I want them to be that was young Penny wasn't it gave that word she was a blind friend of ours she's gone to be the Lord now she gave us some very significant words and one of them was that was uh, that I, it was 
that I saw the rain, black black clouds, rain coming down, and you were out on the path, she said, and you were holding your hand out, and there were these raindrops coming into your hand, and in your hand they turned into jewels. And God was saying, these are the people that I send here, my broken ones, my precious, my very precious ones, because I can't send them anywhere else. Because if I send them anywhere else, they will not be looked after properly. So I have a charge to look after the halt, the lame, the ones that are not so fast. So of course, every now and again, he will come back to me with that. Don't take this personally, anybody. <laughs> every now and again, he will come back to that and say to me, you know, I know you're keen to, to get them all running in the race and doing all this, but don't forget, this is part of the shepherd's role to look after the ones that, you know, that got sore feet. Maggots under the table, Joyce, tell you all about that. You know when you see a sheep in the field and they're like this, it's because they've got bad feet. They're eating, but their feet are bent under. It's because their feet are bad. And they need looking at, and they get maggots, and they need drenching, and they need, you know, all sorts of sheep are always wanting attention. <laughs> so if you aspire to be a shepherd, <laughs> you aspire to being a good thing. I don't know where I went off on that one, I'm sure. So back to back to back to the script. God's always establishing us in a deeper level of sonship. And unbelief will block us, you know. It will block the flow because we become egocentric. <coughs> Everything revolves around us just like a child, really. Um, I had an example of that the other day with my little granddaughter Connie, she's six now. Um, and some of you probably know, you probably all know, that Stephen's my um, adopted son. But he, he has contact with his natural mother. Um, I had him when he was three months old, so she didn't have much to do with the bringing up of him. Well, predictably, the question came, why has Daddy got two mummies? And it came to Jill, who's her natural, his natural mother. Um, and she said to him, said to Connie, sorry, uh, not very wisely, um, that Stephen, uh, she, she couldn't keep Stephen, so she put him into a home, gave him away, put him into a home, until I came along and, and took him, which was not the truth actually, he never went into a home, he went, into a foster, he went from one foster mother to the other. This, of course, sowed a seed, you can guess, in Connie's mind, so she wakes up having nightmares, um, they couldn't get out of her what it was and then a few days later she said to her mum you're not going to give me away are you? <laughs> you know the way that things go into immediately she applied it to herself this is how we can get egocentric we will apply things to ourselves we're looking which is the childishness Everything revolves around me, myself and I, you know. But if you start to look outwards at other people, you will find that that part of you will die off. Because it's got to. If you're applying yourself to making somebody else happy and looking after their welfare, then you, you haven't got time to be looking inwards all the time, have you? But I, I, it was so sad. She's okay now because her mum told us. But I suspect that on more than one occasion... Michelle, that's her mum, has said to her, you know, I'll give you a wife if you don't behave yourself. 
which is a threat that we do use, isn't it? Or some mums do use. My mother always used to say that. They'll come and they'll take you away. I can't handle you. You're too, don't, too much for me. They'll come and they'll take you away. don't think it had any lasting effect. How <laughs> do you remember these things? And uh, as God says to us, uh, you know, when he says that the beauty is in the eye of the beholder, he says, this is not about you, not all about you. I want my pleasure too. That's what Graham says on that uh, CD. And it comes across quite clearly. Um, I want my pleasure too. We are his pleasure. So we have really got to learn to be the beloved. That takes some doing. Uh, At the end of the Song of Songs, she says... um, I am my beloved's and his desire is towards me. She has realised that she belongs to him and his desire is towards her. And that's when she comes up out of the wilderness leaning on him in dependency and wonder. One of Graham's little books. She goes for the next cue. Living in dependency and wonder. I don't know if you, anybody's got one of these. I might have a few copies left. It's uh, gone on the front. The journey of discovering the depths of God's love for you. And, and that is, at the end of the day, is what the whole of our journey is about. Is finding out God's love for us. But that does involve the choice to believe. You know? You remember, have anybody ever been in love? Tell me you love me and they tell you that need to hear it again again and again and again and again and again poor bloke you know he's got to keep saying I love you I love you no you don't mean it I know you don't if you meant it you'd do so and so so and so so and so you know what we like it's women isn't it <laughs> is, that, is it ringing any bells anywhere? I mean we do don't we because we don't believe it if I said to you, are you lovable, I'd, be, I'd get a, re- a variety of answers of which will reveal how you feel about yourself. I swallow swiftly and say yes. <laughs> if anyone asks me, uh, <clears throat> yes, because I know that's the right answer. <laughs> Why is it we don't believe? We're, we're conditioned. Because it's our fallen nature. Oh, there's so much in that fallen nature that is so horrible, you know. It really is. And it holds us back. Because unless we can actually make that choice to say, well, I'm going to believe it. Come sooner or later, you say, okay, I'm believing it. I don't feel it. Your feelings will follow. You believe. You don't feel first and then believe you believe first and then the feelings will follow because how can we put our faith in someone if we're not absolutely assured that they want the best for us we can't can we Joyce Mayer says you can't cast your care until you're satisfied with what the outcome might be I went to um, have my check up on my eyes yesterday and those of you again who know me know that I hate it I don't like going anywhere near doctors. Bless them. Bless them. I know they're very good, but I don't like I don't like being interfered with in any way, shape, manner or form. And um, I must have been going for about five years, I think, Joyce, haven't I? 
So yesterday, I, 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 um, this was the third time of trying to get this appointment this year because one thing and another. First of all, it was a car, and then I went and the, and there was only one doctor on duty, so they postponed it, and then it finally came to yesterday. So I didn't ask the Lord anything this time except to just be at peace and not be so scared of of going because I hate it, just hate it. I suppose what it is is they they know something I don't. No, and I don't like that. <laughs> Peering into your eyes there with this light and you're thinking, what are they seeing? So I'd sort of said to the Lord, what I want to hear him say is excellent, remarkable, amazing, you see, because I've been standing, knowing that the Lord gave me, he who quickened, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also quicken your mortal body. It comes to King James again. So that was my promise in when this first all happened. I waited three days to find out what the Lord's word was on it, and it was that. So I thought, okay, nothing, nothing is going to, to happen to affect my eyesight. But five years on, here am I still going to town. So I went at ten to three yesterday. At ten to four, I'm still sitting there. It's thinning out. There's about five of us left, and I'm thinking, I'll have to go in there in a minute. And suddenly, it's my turn, so in I go. Lovely young man. Um starts looking in my eyes excellent he said <laughs> looking at the nerves at the back of my heart excellent then he sat down each time I've asked to be discharged bear in mind this time I didn't because I thought it's no good asking to be discharged so he said uh, looked back through my notes and he said um, you seem to be stable he said there's no loss of field that's your peripheral vision he said, you haven't got glaucoma. We thought you might have, but you haven't. He said, you've got raised intraocular pressure, which just means the eyeball is a bit raised. As you seem to be stable, I think we'll discharge you. I thought, I don't believe this. <laughs> and and I got, all I could hear the law book saying was, uh, don't you trust me? And I'm saying, you know I didn't. You know I didn't trust you. You know I didn't. I didn't dare. <laughs> I was like preparing myself for the worst. So I've been discharged to the community team, whoever they may be, probably attached to the doctors. Um, so I, ju I just sort of, I, just, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe this. But it's, it's all to, isn't it, you know? Once out of the blue, Penny said to me, out of the blue, she would blind herself, she said, you're not going to go blind. Just out of the blue. When she was, she used to prophesy at length over us, didn't she, Josh? She didn't couldn't keep up with it. She once she started, she would just sit there and it would all come streaming out. Um, what was it? The one that she that scripture where he says, "I am your." It says to Abraham, "I am your." That's right. Is it? I am your rest. Shield. And God had said that, I'd, I'd had that like as an inheritance word, I'm your shield and your exceeding great reward. This shield that he is to me is, is passed up the ceiling and it's down to the floor here and it goes round like that and it's perspex stuff. I can see right through it, but that's how high it is. He's my shield and my exceeding great reward. So she kept saying, I'm your rest, Beryl, I'm your rest. I'm thinking, no, she got it wrong. <laughs> I'm your rest and your exceeding great. I think, no, no, Penny, you've got the words wrong, it's on you. 
but of course what he was saying was what he was saying was I am your rest and he's working me into the place of rest anyway we're all on a journey aren't we you see wherever you are you're on a journey I've just gone up a level and I know I've gone up a level and I know I've met a bigger devil and I know I've got to beat the devil on the level that I'm on so uh, and also something which was very encouraging to me with Graham is he says the reason he takes you up and faces you up with a bigger devil is he's going to make you as big as the devil that you're meeting I thought I will have that one thank you very much so that you don't go up a level until you're as big as that one until he looks frightened have some of that I think this is probably the first not the first time but the second time I have been so aware of going up a level and it goes right across the board so it will go across the board in terms of the demonic that you come up against your peace level will be tested to a, a further extent uh, relationship everywhere everywhere it will go right across the board when you go up a level and of course you need to upgrade who God is for you at that point as well so that my confidence has gone up commensurately and as Graham says the purse strings open wider so you ask for more when you go at that level because God has given you more and say, well, go on then, ask. Just see. So, But it's the first time... See, I have sat under Graham's teaching now. I must be getting on for ten years. But for me, it's taken me ten years to understand what he's saying. But hopefully I can bring you along faster because having assimilated it, I can pop it out in little chipolatas. Like, love precedes knowledge wisdom follows love I tell you I thought about thought, what's he talking about love precedes knowledge wisdom follows love oh, I can't understand it. and then it just plopped into, into me sort of yesterday really that wisdom is what comes after love the first thing is love then you get wisdom because you know the heart of God and knowledge comes after that if you had it in the opposite thing, you would just have this. You wouldn't have that. Wisdom comes from the heart. Anyway, here we go. This is Graham. Childlike learning. This is, uh, this is one of his prophetic words. To become a fully mature son, you must first learn the ways of a child. Learn to be open, trusting and small. Feel the joy of smallness wrapped up in the immensity of me. Learn to exchange your inadequacy for vulnerability. It is weakness with laughter. Clap your hands and shout at the pleasure of being small. Then lift up your arms in confidence and I will bear you up. Let your eyes be bright. Allow my love to overwhelm. Enjoy the feel of fear dying and confidence increasing. Face the day in total rest. Grace is good for me. It enables me to touch you continuously. To speak, to draw near, to be present always. To enjoy your childlike heart, to be one with you. Grace is good for you. It makes you feel good about yourself. 
you are not what you were by grace. You are not yet what you will be. That will be by grace. Therefore, you are who you are now by grace. Grace provides you with the confidence to know that you are always welcome, always wanted. Enjoy the grace you have and use it boldly as a favoured child. Learn to see as a child would, to look beyond the natural. Train your eyes to see my hand, your ears to hear my voice, for I am always working and endlessly speaking. Hear me as I speak to others and be my voice to them, for all that you share will gladden your heart. Watch what I am doing around you. Be ready to be included and I will astonish you. Be prepared to be amazed. Allow me to use your will to touch your mind. As they deliberately collaborate, your emotions will serve your spirit. This is divine order. Practice it daily and wonder will grow. Laugh more, worry less. Wonder has expectation that releases faith. Practice simplicity and you will never be confused. Complexity increases procrastination. You will always put off what you don't understand. Simplicity turns faith into works, for it enables you to see the next small step you must take. Above all, enjoy. Enjoy being mine. Love your belonging. Enjoy finding peace, always there. Enjoy the grace of the present moment, no matter what is occurring. When you live in Christ and not in your circumstances, then you can enjoy the moment and see a better outcome, no matter how hard the situation. The fruit of wonder is joy unspeakable. Joy is the source of strength. Everything is a cycle. All you need comes from me. It works in you through me and returns from you to me. Being childlike is to make sure that in that cycle you do not disconnect but remain with me. That's about the size of it, isn't it? Abide in me and I will abide in you and you will bear much fruit. Thirty, sixty, a hundredfold. What do you want to be? I want to be a hundredfold. I've determined I'm not buying thirty, sixty, I'm going to be a hundredfold fruit. That fruitfulness. That fruit. The fruit of joy, self-control, love, patience, faithfulness. Faithfulness a hard one. You've got to be faithful when everything else is up against you and it all looks like there's nothing happening. You just faithfully continue. Peace, goodness, kindness, long-suffering. Based on acceptance, affirmation, significance, worth and value. Because he values you. You have worth in his eyes. As we were talking about, you know, the bride price has been paid. You're bought. That's brilliant, you know. The more I look into that, Lola brought back from uh, uh, Amsterdam a set of CDs on um, all about the Jewish wedding ceremony. 
and the bride price and how uh, God's a matchmaker. He's been making matches since the Garden of Eden. He matched Adam and Eve together and now he's going for the match of the universe which is his bride and his son. So it, it was all about the, Jew, the way the Jews, Jew, the wedding ceremony and the way it is now and how they used to um, choose the bride but the bride didn't have to say yes if she didn't like the look of the bridegroom it wasn't forced on her she she could say no if she wanted to um, so I mean that's another issue altogether but I suspect that you know the weekend school that's coming up that we're doing which is called entering in I think that's going to be a lot about the bride I just sense that it's going to be about that I've got nothing at the moment but that doesn't matter he's got everything I'm learning to fly by the seat of my pants. So you have significance. You are affirmed and you are accepted. And that's just a few of the bits that you are. Uh, value, you're valued. What, what happens in a society that we're in, in today is everybody is devalued. Tremendous devaluing. No respect for anything or anybody. Uh, and it goes in the Christian church too because we, 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 haven't, we have not learnt to value and respect and to honour one another as a whole teaching on its own but as you know that you are honoured you will honour someone else it's like that, the thing that say the whole world loves a lover uh, when you're in love everything's lovely because you I remember it <laughs> you know it's just the sun shining isn't it so when you know that you are loved, you're looking out at other people with the same love that is coming into you. It's not hard. It's not difficult. Anyway, so there we are. So set your mind on God's will and not your feelings, and your feelings will follow. Get yourself into alignment with what He wants. Choose to believe. It's an act of your will. And your feelings will follow. Receive his love for you. Love yourself in the right way. Love him and then let him flow out from you to other people. Amen. Thank you for listening. Bless you.